Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Supplements, are they necessary? And does quality matter? These are just some of the questions people ask when it comes to using supplements. We have been trained to take a pill to fix our problems, and this mindset has transferred over into taking supplements as well. While they can be helpful, they should be used to supplement a healthy diet. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people who have an injury or illness that holds them back from enjoying the outdoors, and today we are going to be talking all about supplements. A few years ago, there were some supplement companies, including Costco, that were hit with lawsuits for mislabeling what is in their products. You may have thought you were buying something that is good for you, but the supplements didn't actually have what the label claimed it did. So I am bringing on Kate Mahoney to talk about the supplement industry, and she is fantastic at spreading consumer awareness around supplements. We'll be talking about manufacturing practices, quality of product, nutrient bioavailability, and much more. She isn't here to represent any specific company. She is just here to provide good information for you. So let's jump into my conversation with Kate. Kate Mahoney has been a passionate advocate of holistically addressing health since experiencing the profound difference working with the whole body made to her own health and the health of her loved ones. She's been professionally supporting people's health with the therapeutic use of food and supplements for a little over 15 years and is board certified in holistic nutrition with the NANP. Thank you so much, Kate, for coming on to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. It's really great to be here. Of course, and we're going to be diving into the world of supplements here in a moment, but I would love to learn a little bit more about your background and your experience with the supplement industry. So can you dive into that for us? So I have been working with health holistically for a really long period of time, and it got to the point where I felt like food, as much as I knew about it and as much as I was working with it therapeutically, was just not making the differences that I wanted or needed in my health journey. And I decided to look into utilizing supplemental nutrients therapeutically to see what kind of benefit that might have for me. And I entered the world of being a health and wellness consultant in order to facilitate that. I was really lucky because in my experience as a health and wellness consultant, I was given many, many training opportunities during those five years. The company that I worked for, they actually brought in a variety of different specialists in different areas. So we had specialists coming in and talking about raw material quality, manufacturing practices, nutrient bioavailability. We also had specialists coming in and talking about and addressing things like um, joint health, greens, powders, such a variety of topics. So I had five years of education from some of the leading experts nationally about supplements. And what was really helpful about that was it gave me the ability to make not only empowered choices for myself, but to be able to look at a product and to be able to tell a lot about whether or not this was going to be something that would be beneficial or helpful for someone to take 
as in would it be worth your money to spend on? So that's a lot of what I did as a health and wellness consultant was helping people to make empowering choices with their health. And I, I think we need to throw this out there. You're not here um, as a representative of any kind of supplement company. So this is all completely unbiased uh, opinions that we'll be talking about in this episode, which is great because then you know, you, you're you more open to uh, taking a look at some of those things you mentioned, like the manufacturing practices and the raw material quality. Um, so the biggest question that we always hear is, are supplements even necessary? And can't we just get all of the nutrients that we need from food? <laughs> that is such a great question. Um, before we go into that, though, I wanted to go back to what you just touched on, which is, just like you said, I choose not to affiliate myself with any supplement company or product at all because I want to feel very good. It's part of my ethical core to be able to talk about things freely and openly. Although I will say I will not badmouth any company. So there will be times when people will ask me directly about a company and the furthest I will go is I choose not to use that in my practice. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to badmouth anybody. That's just my own integrity, um, and that's my personal choice. But that's also a personal choice as to why I choose not to have affiliates with different companies, because even if I truly believe in their work and I know that they're doing everything, everything for the right reasons, it doesn't change the fact that I still want to be able to talk about that openly without having any underground or hidden agenda at all. So now that I've been able to speak to that, <laughs> let's actually get to the question that you asked, which is, are they necessary? And I have to say, it really depends on the individual, because the truth is there are a lot of people in this world that just by making dietary changes and lifestyle changes can have huge beneficial impacts on their health. And I know that you and I, being nutritional therapy practitioners with active practices, have seen that happen over and over and over again, the impact that those really small dietary and lifestyle tweaks can make for people. However, that is not true for everybody. There are some people whose health has deteriorated so much that by adding in therapeutic nutrients by way of supplements for a short period of time, it can actually help to accelerate the healing process or get their body over a hump in a little bit of a faster manner. So what I like to ask my clients that I'm working with is, do you want to do slow and gradual and gentle, or do you want to get results quicker? Because if you want to get results quicker, we may need to look at utilizing some of the therapeutic nutrients in your protocols from time to time. Otherwise, we can completely just keep things focused on food and lifestyle changes, and the choice is up to them as far as what it is that they would prefer. And that's a really good method, too, because you run into people that come to you that 
you know, they've been to different uh, doctors or clinicians, practitioners that push a lot of pills mm -hmm. and they get put off by it. So if you yeah. leave that option up to them, then they're making the choice one way or the other. Exactly. For me, in my practice, it's very, very much about always empowering people to make the choices that are right for them. It's not about me dictating. I am merely someone who is going to walk beside you as you make the choices that are going to be supportive to you, that are right for you at any given point in time. And I know that you practice a lot the same way, Brian. It's, as we like to say, meeting a client where they're at. <laughs> yeah. And so now let's... Uh, Let's take a look a little bit at uh, supplements. So okay. one of the key areas that uh, you want to look at is the manufacturing practices. So can you talk yes. a little bit about that? Oh, man. So this is such a deceptively important subject. And the reason why is because I kind of like to say that manufacturing of practices equates to or is also known as welcome to the world of excipients. So a lot of people are not familiar with that word, so I'm going to explain it a little bit. An excipient can be generally one of three things. So it can be used as a filler to add bulk to a product because sometimes there are supplements or nutrients that we're taking in such minute quantities that if we were to actually just be taking the nutrient by itself, it would be about the size of a grain of sand. So companies will add bulk to a product in order for there to actually be a tablet that someone is taking. And that's what we're looking at when we talk about microgram amounts is very, very tiny amounts of nutrients. And a lot of companies will do that so that people feel like they're getting their money's worth. But there are also companies that do that because it's much easier for people to be able to work with a tablet than it is to like work with a grain of sand. <laughs> so that's one of the uses is as a filler. Another use of excipients is as a binder. So these are ingredients that are added to a product that bind the ingredients together to form a tablet. And the very last most common use of an excipient is as a flow agent. Now these are ingredients or fillers or excipients that are used in manufacturing processes to keep product from clogging the manufacturing equipment so it doesn't need to be cleaned as often. And let me tell you, most of the flow agents that are used are some of the things that are the most harmful. Now, the reason why companies do that is because, hmm, how can I say this tactfully? So there are certain companies that are very much in the supplement industry for profit. And the way that you can tell what those companies look like is they make everything. I mean, if, if it is a supplement that is on the market, they will have a product of that supplement. They have a really wide umbrella. Most of those companies, though, that are making everything, and this is something we're going to touch on a little bit more next, is they don't necessarily have the highest raw material quality standards, for one thing. 
But for another thing, they're using their manufacturing equipment over and over so quickly that they're adding a lot of flow agents to their product to make sure that they don't have to clean their equipment as quickly in between processing. Um, I mean, there's the reasons for flow agents, let's just say, in my opinion, they're not very ethical. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the common excipients that you're going to find in supplements. One of them is going to be magnesium stearate. Now, one of the things about magnesium stearate is that it is required to have an MSDS. That is a material safety data sheet on that product. Are there magnesium steroids that are out there that are actually less harmful to the body? Yes. And you need to contact a supplement company directly if they use magnesium steroid in their products to find out the sourcing for that. And if they are an ethical company, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, they will have absolutely no problem providing you with the information on where and how they are sourcing their magnesium stearate. Like what is the raw material that it is derived from? Another one is silicone dioxide, which also has an MSDS report. Now the thing about silicone dioxide is that it's, it's actually a little bit deceptive because it's not silicone dioxide is different than silica or silicia which is actually really finely ground quartz crystals silicone is something that is known to have a lot of um counterindications when it comes to internal use and that's why it has the msds report so there are some very finite spellings having to do with the different ingredients and just doing your research and being a conscientious consumer can make a huge difference for you as far as making informed choices as a consumer so another one is going to be cellulose and a lot of times Vegetarian capsules are made out of cellulose, and I want to talk about that really quickly because that is commonly derived from corn fiber, and currently 89% of the corn that is being grown in the United States, and this is information that I got off of the USDS, um, I'm sorry, USDA website, is that 89% of the corn currently being grown is GMO. So that means wow. if you are taking supplements in a vegetarian capsule and you have not done your due diligence to contact the company and find out and make sure that they are verifying that their vegetarian capsules are non-GMO, you're probably inadvertently consuming GMOs. And the very last one that I wanted to touch on is dextrins. And the dextrins are primarily derived from corn and potato. And the reason why that's really important is because there are some people who are actually sensitive to the nightshade family. And we also now have GMO potatoes too, not just corn. Now, we have to keep in mind that a big reason why these 
products have been genetically modified is so that they can withstand extraordinarily high levels of man-made chemicals like the herbicides and the pesticides. That is the biggest reason why they're being genetically modified. And that means that the raw material is going to have those high levels of man-made chemicals in them. And last but not least, it's also important to note that dextrins can additionally be derived from wheat. So if you're wheat sensitive or celiac, that can be something to be aware of. And just an example of what dextrins are, those would be things like dextrose or maltodextrin or things like that. And when you're talking about magnesium stearate, mm -hmm. is that the same form as magnesium as what you would take in like a magnesium pill or is that different? Well, it should not be. <laughs> so that gets into, um, that's something that we're going to be talking about a little bit more later on when we talk about nutrient bioavailability. So there are different forms of nutrients, and some of them are going to be better utilized by the body or what's known as more bioavailable to the body. Magnesium stearate and magnesium oxide are a couple forms that are not bioavailable to the body. It is not a form of magnesium that the body can utilize. And if you do research on that topic, you'll be able to find out why and how on a chemical and molecular level because of what is combined with the magnesium, why the body can't break it down, why it can't utilize it, why it's not usable by the body. So figuring out what forms are going to be most usable and what forms are cleanest is really, really important. So do most supplements have these fillers in them or yes. are there pretty much all of them? Most of them. I would say the majority. There are some that do not, and they are few and far between, and that's that's actually something that I cover a little bit in a different presentation that I do, which is talking about what my favorite companies are and why. Is there anything else that you want to touch on with the manufacturing practices? I think those are the biggest takeaways for people to be really aware of in order to be able to make good informed choices for themselves. Okay. And so what's the next most important uh, area of supplements do we need to touch on? Is that like the raw material quality? Oh yeah. That's a really, really big one. I like to say that this area is also known as what are your supplements made of? So as we kind of talked about a little bit in the manufacturing practices, raw material can be a huge problem for people with sensitivities. And fortunately, there are some practitioners that are trying to inform the public on this. A really good article has been posted by one of our, well, actually a couple of our colleagues, Mickey Trescott and Angie Alt on their website, Autoimmune Wellness. They have an article that specifically addresses hidden gluten, grains, and nightshades in not just supplements, but also pharmaceutical medications. And we also need to talk about what is the most common raw material used in supplements. Do you have any guess for that? Hmm. I, I have no calcium. 
So think raw material. So if, material. if it has to be like a food or a substance naturally found in nature first, what do you think would be used possibly? Mm, it's probably one of the the GMO products. Wheat ding, of ding, some ding. Sort. <laughs> so corn is going to be the most commonly used raw material used in supplements. And soy is going to be number two. And the reason why is because you can literally take this raw material, which is easily accessible and available because of how much of it is being grown in this country. And you can work with it in a lab to not only derive specific things out of it on a chemical and molecular level, but also combine those different molecules to create chemical reactions so that you can get specific forms of nutrients. And as I kind of touched on a little bit, the percentage of GMO crops being used in the USA is shocking. And the whole reason why is for it to withstand any amount of herbicides and pesticides used while growing. And my question to people is, is that what you really want to be putting into your body? Because if that's what's being used as the raw material, if we're going to be using nutrients therapeutically, isn't it more important to ensure that you're using a high quality product sourced from quality raw material in a form that's going to be bioavailable to your body to ensure that you're actually getting the benefits that you need and that you want from taking that product? So is corn used and soy used in that pretty much like all the mineral type products that are out there and potentially even um, some of the like EFA type products out there and multivitamins. And I guess that's a wide range of supplements. <laughs> so for the EFAs, the biggest way that they might possibly be used is as part of the soft gel in addition to the gelatin, or it could be used as an emulsifier. Um, it could be used as a preservative for vitamin E purposes, and that was specifically just for the EFAs. So the EFAs are not necessarily going to have as much, but what I have to say about EFAs is that that is an entirely different topic that is a huge can of worms. I will tell you there are reasons why I choose to no longer use fish oil products of any kind in my practice. There used to be one product, one company that I felt really, really good about the products that they were making. And they were bought out by a larger company and a larger corporation who did away with a lot of the very, very finite techniques to ensure that this fish oil was going to be safe for people to take. And you could tell the fish oil was no longer good because it tasted rancid. You should be able to chew. Well, first of all, you should not ever swallow essential fatty acid supplements. You should chew them up. And the reason why is because fat digestion starts in the mouth. And if you are 
swallowing an essential fatty acid supplement, you're basically setting yourself up inadvertently for leaky gut because those undigested fats that have not begun the emulsification process in the mouth are not going to be broken down enough to be able to deal with being further emulsified by the bile in the duodenum of the body, which is the very, very beginning of the small intestines. And the thing is, most essential fatty acid supplements, if you chew them up, what do you want to do? Spit them out. Yeah. <laughs> and see, that is literally your body telling you, this is not good for me. What I always tell my clients is I say, if you choose to work with an essential fatty acid product different than the ones that I use in my practice, that is completely your choice. But you need to take on the responsibility of chewing them up. And if you want to spit them out when you chew them up, that is your body telling you that that is not a good quality product and you should not be taking it. When you chew up an essential fatty acid product, it should taste good to you, just like the food does. So for fish oil products, if it tastes like anything different than fresh fish, when you chew it up, you should not be taking it. So for essential fatty acids, this is off topic a little bit, but yeah. do they have do they have filler oils that they mix with the, let's say, fish oil? Some companies do, um, and that is yet again another reason why I choose not to use fish oil products in my practice. I encourage my clients to actually get their essential fatty acids primarily from real foods. So the nuts and the seeds and the actual seafood and things like that is going to be the best, most fresh and non-rancid way for you to get your essential fatty acids. Um, and that's, that's just what I prefer to do in my practice because I have literally gotten to a point where I keep finding a fish oil product and I really want to believe in it because of everything that they're touting as far as their marketing. And I put it in my mouth and I bite into it. And let me tell you, I have to spit it out. And that is the clearest indication to me that despite everything that they are doing or say that they're trying to do, it's not enough. And that's not a product you should be taking. So to pull this back to the raw material quality, yeah. um, there's a lot of companies that they talk about, you know, they have, they source from higher quality material and that's part of the reason why they cost so much for that mm -hmm. type of supplement. Mm -hmm. Does cost of a supplement actually indicate quality or not? That is such a good question. So my answer would be yes and no. You cannot subscribe to a belief that just because a product is expensive means that it's good. But in turn, if products are cheap, are they good? Usually not. There are some products that are going to be the exception to that. So what is most important to figure out the quality is to actually contact the brands themselves and ask them how they source their raw material. And I can tell you that if a brand is doing everything 
for the right reasons in the right way, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, they will have no problem providing you with the lab test results showing the efficacy of their raw material and that it is free of things like herbicides and pesticides. They are proud of the fact that they do their due diligence to source quality raw material. And if you have a brand that is telling you, no, I'm sorry, we can't share that information with you that is proprietary, all I can say is move on. Is there some uh, some specific things that people should be looking for when it comes to raw material quality? Like, so you mentioned GMOs, so you're trying mm-hmm. to find products that aren't using corn or soy. Uh, but what, well, what are some... Well, not, not necessarily. So there are some people who are going to have to stay away from corn and soy because of um, dietary and reactionary reasons. But the okay. truth is most of the man-made material that is on the market is going to be made from corn and soy. That's just the truth. Unless it is actually food-derived which we can get into a little bit when we dive more into the nutrient bioavailability. Um, It's going to be made like 95% of the products on the market that are man-made isolates that have been created in a lab. The raw material is going to be corn and soy. So what you mostly want to do is contact that company and find out if they have any verification not just a marketing printout of a letter saying, yes, we are committed to only sourcing non-GMO raw material, but that they can show verification and proof that they are tracking every shipment of their raw material to ensure that it is certified non-GMO. And there are companies that do that. Okay. Well, let's let's dive into the nutrient bioavailability then. What, okay. what exactly does that mean? That is a good question. So I like to say that this is also known as how well can your body use your supplements? Which when you think about it, that's a pretty important question, right? That's the most important. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So this goes into something that I touched on a little bit, which is that most supplements are man-made isolates. So let's talk about what that means. So man-made isolates are unfortunately going to be the cheapest to make and use, which means that they equate to being poor and low quality. It also means that they are, generally speaking, not going to be bioavailable to the body. What that means is that the body literally will not recognize the nutrient because it it is not in the form that is naturally found in food. Now, the last thing that is important about this is that man-made isolates do not contain the synergistic components that are found in food sources and traditionally prepared foods. And how that affects our ability to use them is that the body may not be able to benefit from the nutrient because it's actually lacking the cofactors to use it. So um, do you want me to provide an example of what I'm talking about with that, Brian? That'd be great. Okay, so an example that I like to use about this is B vitamins. That's something that a lot of people use. So man-made B vitamins, 
will actually put an extra burden on the liver due to the body needing to convert those man-made isolates to a usable or bioavailable form, which actually robs the body of other nutrients that the body needs just to convert them to a usable form. So that's really energetically and nutritionally taxing on the body to take a man-made form of B vitamins. Now, here's the really cool thing, though. There are some companies that will take the man-made nutrients and they will go an extra step with them. And they will actually do something like chelation or coenzymation or one of the other factors that will cause that man-made isolated nutrient to be more bioavailable to the body because it is closer to the form that is naturally found in nature. And with B vitamins, that is called coenzymating. So as I talked about, these are man-made isolates that have been converted to the usable form found in nature and are therefore recognized by the body. That makes them readily bioavailable. Now, the thing about that that I want to touch on is that coenzymated is very, very different than methylated. There are people with something that is known as the MTHFR gene mutation, which has a lot of different varieties. And for those people who aren't sure what I'm referring to, you're welcome to go ahead and do research on that topic. But individuals with who have an expressed gene mutation with the MTHFR are not able to methylate their B vitamins. So it's important for them to actually take B vitamins that have been taken even a further step in the process of coenzymation in order to methylate them. But I want to be really, really clear that if you do not have that MTHFR gene mutation, methylation is actually a completely natural and healthy process in the body. So it's important for your body to be able to naturally do that methylation process on its own if it's able to. Therefore, if you have not been tested for the MTHFR gene mutation, I highly suggest for people to go for the coenzymated forms of B vitamins rather than the methylated. Otherwise, you are depriving your body of a natural and healthy process. Is there any supplements that have the coenzymes and methylated at the same time? There are actually, um, but primarily they tend to be professional products that can only be purchased through a certified or licensed practitioner. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so you were talking about the synthetic made type of Mm -hmm. nutrients. What Mm -hmm. are more like food based or food grown type of nutrients? Ooh, that is a great question because the truth is there are some supplement companies that are kind of using those, but buzzwords and they do have legitimate purpose behind them. So first we'll go ahead and talk about food-based. Food-based means that a nutrient is quite literally derived or extracted from food. So an example of that would be vitamin C. Instead of creating ascorbic acid in a lab by fermenting corn dextrose, which I'm telling you, 
all ascorbic acid on the market, people, is made from fermented corn dextrose. So just be aware of that. And even if it's something like a um, chelated or buffered form of ascorbic acid, you're still dealing with that raw material of ascorbic acid before it was buffered or chelated coming from fermented corn dextrose. So instead of being a man-made isolate of ascorbic acid, which equates to vitamin C, you're literally deriving the vitamin C from something like oranges, which is going to include the other bioflavonoids and synergistic phytonutrients to make that vitamin C more active in the body. So a lot of people have gotten used to in the supplement industry thinking that more of something in a supplement means it's quote unquote better or that you're getting quote unquote more for your money. When in truth, that is not necessarily the case. You will actually get more benefits and more from your money if you use something like a food-based nutrient, which looks like it has less of the nutrient, but your body will be able to utilize it so much better because it has all of the synergistic cofactors in addition to that vitamin C literally being in the form that your body needs to use to make the most of it, which is phenomenal. Like they are some of my favorite supplements are the food-based ones. So if you're getting a food-based supplement, then you probably really want to make sure that that company is using a good sourcing for the, the materials that they're using. Um, in those supplements, correct? Oh yeah, that's exactly right. When you're doing food-based or food-derived, it's going to be even more important for that company to make sure that they're doing the testing and verification to ensure that their raw material has some of the highest quality standards on the market. And there are companies that are doing that. So just know that they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of them, just so people have an ability to look at a really good example of that, is known as Mega Foods. The thing I love most about that company is that they provide full transparency. If you go to their Mega Foods website, they literally have, and this is so cool, like it, I find it so exciting because this company is based on full transparency. So they have every single part of their process live 24-7 from their lab to their fermentation vats to their processing machines to their manufacturing equipment to their packaging. Every single part of the process is fully transparent. And if you call them up and ask them to provide the lab test results for the quality sourcing of their raw material, they will give it to you in a heartbeat because they are very, very proud of what they do. So that is a really good company. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I am not affiliated with them, but I will be very blunt that they are, quite frankly, my favorite supplement company on the market. And all of their products are verified to be gluten and soy free, which is, oh, and wheat free of course, because it's gluten-free. So that's something that's really important to me. And are they um, available for consumers or do, do people have to go through a practitioner for Omega Foods? 
Ooh, that is such a good question. So yes, they are available for consumers. They are something that you should be able to easily find online at different health food stores. Um, but what's really cool is that Mega Foods has actually been working at partnering with practitioners as well. So what's great is that practitioners can have access to the products at um, a wholesale price. And sometimes they may actually be able to provide a little bit of savings directly to their clients by purchasing through your practitioner. And the other nice thing about that is that the products that you get are generally going to be a lot fresher as well because the practitioner will just order directly from the company and it'll be shipped straight to you. So that's something I'm really excited about when I found out that Mega Foods was going to be opening up accounts for practitioners. I was like, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, since, since you talked about freshness, can you briefly touch on, um, uh, like shelf life or stability and freshness of products? Like how important is that? Ooh, well, that is a tricky subject and there's no like one umbrella statement that really covers that adequately because the truth is it will depend on the product and that in a nutshell is what I can really say. Different products are going to have different shelf lives um, and it also, I, I know I'm kind of fumbling around this, but the truth is that there are so many variables when it comes to that question. It's hard to sum it up in a nutshell. So I apologize for not having a better answer than that, but there it is. <laughs> I, th I think it's also a politically correct way of answering that question. too. <laughs> um, so there is one other thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, which we hadn't had a chance to talk about yet, which is, other than just food-based, there's also the delineation known as food-grown, which is like one of the things that the health geek in me just completely like loses my shiznit about. <laughs> 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 so um, I wanted to talk about that really quickly, if that's okay with you. Yeah, go for okay. it. So food-grown is a different definition than food-based, and I wanted to give people some context about that. The reason why there are companies that do food grown nutrients in their practice is because there are some nutrients that exist in such trace amounts in nature that they cannot economically or financially feasibly or in any sustainable manner easily be extracted from food. Therefore, they can't be food derived or food based. So how do companies get around that and still get nutrients that are going to be in the form found in nature so that your body recognizes that nutrient as what it is and can use it easily. And science is amazing because they actually figured out a way to do this and it's what's known as the food grown delineation. So I want to give you all a little bit of context about that. Food grown is when man-made isolates are added to a healthy culture, such as, for example, Saccharomyces boulardii. Now, the Saccharomyces boulardii will then consume the man-made isolate nutrient. And what's great is that when it does that, it actually converts the man-made isolate 
into the form naturally found in food. So it becomes food grown because the healthy culture converts it into the form found in nature. So it's very, very bioavailable for the body. Interesting. I, yeah. That, that went a completely different direction than I thought. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking on the like the same lines of uh, vegetarian fed chickens where they're just given like nope. grains. Oh. <laughs> so oh. I was thinking food grown was, oh, it came from, you know, corn or something like that. <laughs> now, there are some companies that unfortunately are starting to try to do that and say that their things are food grown. So you are still going to want to have a conversation with the company to find out what or are your processes for growing the nutrients. Because there are like um, one of the professional lines that you and I are both really familiar with, Brian, which is biotics. They are doing that, but they're doing it in a way that is gluten-free, grain-free, based on organically grown legumes. And that is phenomenal. So they're actually taking these man-made isolates and they're adding them to the fertilizer compost mix that's being used while these grains and legumes are growing. And this is what they do with their minerals. And then when they actually harvest those grains and legumes, they have them in a chelated food grown matrix, and then they ferment it in order to make those nutrients even more bioavailable to the body and break down all the phytic acid that's naturally occurring in those legumes so that our body doesn't have to compete for the minerals. Like what they're doing with their minerals, they are one of my favorite mineral products on the market because of what they do. It's like, it's very high tech and geeky and super awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know they were doing that. That so that's super neat. I know, isn't it? Like I could just geek out about this stuff all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we're we're running out of time here, and you've got to get rolling. So, yeah. uh, how can we wrap this up in a way that people can take this and make better, more empowered choices? I love that question. So, um, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is to use your discerning mind as a consumer. If you actually take the time to do your research and to reach out to contact the supplement companies themselves, what you're gonna wanna do when you ask direct questions is number one, are they answering my questions directly and forthrightly? Or number two, are they talking around my question and not giving me a direct answer? That tells you a lot right there. The companies that are doing things the right way for the right reasons will be able to answer you forthrightly and directly because they have absolutely nothing to hide. So keep that in mind as you do your sleuthing and more power to you because that's the exact purpose for why I love to do talks like this is because it's really important for me for consumers and people out there to be able to make empowered choices about the products that you choose to use for both yourselves and your loved ones. So hopefully you find this information helpful. 
Awesome, Kate. Well, people can find you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Kate Mahoney NTP. And we'll have links to those social profiles and your website in the show notes at summitforwellness.com slash 85. Thank you, Kate, so much for coming on and walk, walking us through the supplement industry because there's definitely a lot more to it than uh, just what we see on the shelves in the grocery stores. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm so happy to have been on. As you can see, there's a lot that goes into making a high-quality supplement. And like I mentioned previously, these products should be used to supplement a good diet or a specific protocol for your health. And taking a bottle of a random supplement may not be exactly what your body needs. So are you ready to take your health to the next level? If so, our health programs are designed to help you make lasting changes to your health. With our habit-changing process, we walk alongside you on your health journey, making sure that you are successful and feel like the best version of you. To learn more, go to summitforwellness.com ready. Next week, we are chatting with Dr. Jeff Lakoven about performance nutrition and how to get an edge up in your sports or performance. Here's a little info from Jeff. I am here with Dr. Jeff Lakoven. Hey, Jeff, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Oh, gee, uh, Mr. 1987 uh, bodybuilding lightweight Vancouver Island. Ooh, do you have photos from that? I, uh, I yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're framed and you stare at them every day. They are tucked away in an <laughs> album somewhere. Nice. Well, what will we be learning about in our interview together? So we're going to be learning about uh, performance nutrition, and we're going to look at a uh, what I call an evidence-based pyramid approach that looks at uh, energy, macronutrients, micronutrients, nutrient timing, and supplements. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Whole. Whole foods. That's whole foods. Uh, yeah, whole foods. And then what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Okay, I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna give you. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, I like to use the acronym Speed. Speed. Right? right. Sleep. Get enough sleep. Seven to nine hours or more, depending on um, your activity. Psychological stress. Manage your stress. So do things, whether it's going for a walk, or uh, meditating, whatever it might be that you can modulate your stress. Environment. Look at environmental toxins and your exposure to endocrine-disrupting chemicals and obesogens in the self-care products that we use and the foods that we eat. So eating organic, um, looking at the dirty dozen, the clean 15, and uh, natural self-care products. Uh, exercise. So doing um, a balance of exercise to include strength training, some aerobic activity, and some flexibility training, and also recreation, having fun. And D, Diet, getting an optimum diet based on your needs and uh, activities. Speed. I love that acronym. I've never heard it uh, laid out like that before, so thank you. If you are looking to up-level your nutrition, then make sure to stay tuned next week for episode 86. Until next time, keep climbing to the peak of your health.